there's nothing better than this. There's nothing better than seeing, you know, so many, you know, we're baptized, I think it's over 30 people today, and so many of them are people who are finding faith and discovering, like, healing in their marriage and healing in their souls and just seeing all that God is doing. It's just, it's just incredible. Uh, if everyone would please take out your connection card, it looks like this. You'll find it in the seat pocket right in front of you, or you can use, go to the app and you can do the digital one uh, right in the Sunday morning section. And uh, if you are a first-time guest, we want to say welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Please give us as much information as you want to give us, as you feel comfortable giving us. If you give us your address, we'll send you a card with a gift in it. Give us your email address, and I'll send you a welcome email that will include a five-question survey. I'd love to get your first impressions here at the church. And then also, after the service, you can go to the welcome table. We have another gift for you, uh, as in you can get in more information about the church if you're looking for that. Uh, second time guests, designate you're here for the second time. There's another gift we'll send you in the mail as well as a different survey, because we're really glad that you came back to worship with us again, and we want to find out more about your second time with us. Uh, we do ask that everyone fill out a card. Regular attenders and members, just write down your name or type in your name. Uh, sign up on the back. Growth track, step two. You event. There's a lot that's going on in the church these days. Um, we've got next, next Sunday night is our second Hype in the Kingdom service. So that's our young adult service. They started last month. They started, it was great with a bang. You'll hear more about it next week, but that's at five o'clock next week. We've got our, we've got our, our 40 day campaign starting today, which I'll talk about more in a moment. Uh, prayer requests, anything going on, we'd love to have the opportunity to pray for you. All right, so let's take a moment. Let's fill out our connection cards together. Hold on to that card, and uh, we're going to collect them at the end of the service. We're going to pass a basket. You can put the connection card, and if you have a physical offering, you can put it in the basket as well when that passes. I'm not used to preaching soaking wet, so so I'm going to have to get used to this. But we are starting our kickoff of 40 Days of Love. So this is the sixth year uh, that we've done uh, what we call a church-wide campaign. So we always do, you know, like we spend October, November, into a little bit of December— doing something together as a congregation. And so this year, we're going we're gonna to zero in on love. We're going to zero in on, on what is it, how can we have a deeper experience of the love of God, and then how can we see that love flow into the lives of the people around us so that we become more loving. And so we're going to go through it by my sermons on Sunday are going to line up with what we're talking about in our small groups. And so you'll be with, you know, many hundreds of you have signed up for groups. And so you'll be with a group of people, like just learning how to become more loving together. You're going to be given a booklet that has these like daily devotionals, things that you can do so you can kind of go deeper on a daily basis. And I think it's going to be a, a real time of transformation for our church transformation for of our lives and our families. And so let me start by asking you a question. What is your greatest aim? Uh, how would you complete this sentence? My number one goal is fill in the blank. How would you complete that sentence? What is your number one goal in life? What is it that you're after? And really think about it, right? What is the most important to you? Now, a lot of you 
probably say, okay, God, I know the right answer. It's supposed to be God. And it's like, well, actually, all right, let's, let's kind of go a little bit deeper than that and just say, thinking about your life, thinking about the choices that you make, what would someone say is the number one thing that you're after? Right? For some people, you know, maybe it's that they want to be happy. Right? A lot of people say, oh, I just, I just want to be happy. Or you want to succeed at your career. You want to climb the ladder. Uh, or you want to, you know, you want to be financially independent. Or you want to go on great vacations. Or maybe retire early. Or, or, you know, get married, have a family, get your kids into the best college. Whatever it is, how would you answer that question? Not what should you answer, but what actually, looking at your life, what dictates your choices? But what dictates your choices? Because if, you're, if your number one goal is to have fun, that you just want to have fun in life, then as you have different options in your life, you're going to choose the funnest option. If your number one goal is, I want to be comfortable, then as you have different options in your life, you're probably going to make choices that lead you to the couch a lot, right? You're going to spend a lot of time on the couch because you want to be comfortable. Maybe it's that you want to be safe, you know, security. And so you're always going to kind of, you know, play it safe and you're not going to take risks. Or, or if you want approval, as you look at all the different options, you say, okay, what's going to bring me the most affirmation? And then even if, listen, if you say, hey, my number one goal is ministry in the kingdom. All right, well, well, what is it that you're after with that? And how does that affect your choices? And what is the goal that you have for your life? Because the Bible has a lot to say about this. And it says very simply in 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, let love be your greatest aim. And so maybe you say, okay, pastor, end of sermon. Let's go home. You know, what more do you, because the Bible makes it really clear. The greatest aim of your life needs to be love. Right? Not status, not success, not affirmation, not comfort, not even a successful ministry, as I'm preaching to myself this morning. The number one goal is love. And so why is it that God and the, the Word of God over and over again says this is what life is all about? This is the number one goal, and it's because God is love. Because that God is not just loving. God just doesn't do loving things. The Bible gives us this incredible revelation that God, deep in his core, the very essence of who he is, is love. That's what it's all about. The reason, and this is the most comforting thing, is we can sometimes think we live in this cold, dark universe and what's going on. Well, no, that's not true. God is love. And the reason we have a universe is because God is love. Right? God created the universe so we could love the universe. Here's, I'll tell you what, something that if you could get a glimpse of this, and this is what makes baptism so powerful because God is so often giving that revelation as people are getting baptized. The reason God created you, the reason you are alive and you think, you know, you defy the odds by being here, right? The fact that your parents met, the fact that the right combination of everything kind of together. The odds were stacked against you that you would ever exist. The reason you exist is because God created you to love you. That's the reason. If you ever say, what's it all about? What am I here for? You are here because God wants to love you in this life, and he wants you to be in a loving relationship with him that's going to go on forever and ever and ever for all of eternity. That's worth saying amen for. Somebody can say amen to that because that's, that's a good thing. You were put on this planet in order to come into a relationship with him and then learn how to love those people around you because you're made in his image, right? We receive his love and then we pass it on. And you think about it, why does God allow us to live 60, 70, 80, 90 years in this hard world? 
right? Because this world is hard. We deal with stuff. Relationships break down. Life is difficult. Life is hard. If it's all about just like, okay, God wants to reconcile us to himself, then you would think that, well, then the, the moment you accept Jesus or the moment you're baptized or whatever it is, that God will whisk you up to heaven. But he doesn't do that because not only does he want us to have a relationship with him, he wants us to learn how to love those around us because we're made in his image. And so he wants to conform us into the image of his son. And it's all about learning how to love people. And so we go through these hard things. We go through these difficult times and, and there's the good and there's the bad and there's everything in between. And through it all, what God is up to in your life is he's trying to reveal his love to you, get you to walk in his love so that love can flow through you into the lives of those around you. That's our greatest aim. There was one time when Jesus was, was doing what Jesus does and somebody comes up to him and says, all right, you know, the law, there's all this stuff in the law. There's all these commandments. Could you break down like simply what's the most important thing? And Jesus said, yeah, I can do that. I can actually put it in two sentences. I can put it in two sentences and make it really clear like what life is all about, what it's all about. And so we said this in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31. He said, the most important one, the most important commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all that you are, love God. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no, other, there's, there's no other commandment greater than these. So God, Jesus said, you want a successful life. It's going to be about love. It's going to be about learning how to love God and then seeing that love flow into the lives of other people. It's pretty clear, right? Love God and love people. This is why you're alive. And it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how much your kids accomplish, how famous you become, all things that we pursue, if we don't learn to love, then we failed at the primary thing that God put us, that God created us for, right? One day you're going to stand before God and, and listen, as far as being able to come into his kingdom, it's going to be all about what Jesus did for us, but God is going to ask us and God is going to say, did you learn how to love? Did you learn how to walk in my love? Did you live in that revelation of my love? And then did that, did that love, the love I have for you, flow into the lives of the people around you? And so we've done a lot of different campaigns, right? Those of you who've been around for a while, maybe you remember we started off years ago with 50 Days of Transformation. And did 50 days in the word, 50 days of prayer, 50 days of purpose. Last year we did The Chosen. Remember that? We watched, we watched episodes of season one of The Chosen and we talked, did a deep dive into the life of Jesus. And I don't, I don't know if there's one that, you know, uh, is as important as the one we're doing here. Because our number one goal is to love. And so we're going to spend the next 40 days learning how to love that we're going to spend the next 40 days learning how to love God better, learn, learning how to love one another better, because life is all about love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, everything you do must be done in love. Everything you do. That's a high bar. Everything you do. So that means if you send an email, or you write a text message, or you tweet, or you comment, or whatever it is, it's supposed to be done in love, right? Not to prove a point, not to be right, not to, you know, but, but out of love. It means that if you go to the supermarket and it's raining and there was a spot that was close to the entrance and you got there first and somebody pulls in in front of you and takes it out from under you, your response is to be a response of love, right? It means that in your family, 
And, you know, family, listen, family's great. We love family, but family, like, they know us well. We know them well. You rub shoulders a lot. We need to learn. Like, God puts us in a family, I think, so we can learn how to love. So we can learn how to love even when it's hard or, or your coworkers, even the difficult ones. Being kind, loving people who vote differently than you do, who think differently than you do. You know, whatever, all the relationships, let, let, let everything we do be done in love. And so let's define love. Let's talk about what the Bible has to say about love, because one of the problems, and I'll get into this more in a moment, but we've let culture define love. And it's probably not a shock to you to realize that the biblical definition of love and the cultural definition of love is really, they're really different. Right? A lot of times when we sing about, you know, there's a love song, or there's a romantic comedy, or a poem, it's not necessarily about love, it's about lust. It's about infatuation. It's about an emotion. And so three things, it started out, you know, five things the Bible says about love, but with so many baptisms, it's three things, but they're good things, they're important things. And the first one is this, we love because God loves us. And so listen, if you have the app, I, every, every week I put, I put sermon notes in the app and fill in the blank notes with all the Bible verses and the outline. So you can open that up if you want to do that. But we love because God loves us, right? God is love. All love comes from him. The reason we're able to love is because God loves us. 1 John 4, 7, 8 says, love comes from God for God is love. And so just to, just to repeat this, right, God does not just do loving things. God, in the core of who he is, is love. And if it wasn't for the love of God, there'd be no love in the universe. There would actually be no universe because God created the universe so we could love the universe. The reason you are able to love is because you are made in the image of God, right? Plants and rocks and animals— are not made in the image of God. So let me possibly offend some of you a little bit. Your dog, your good doggo, is not made in the image of God and does not have the same capacity to love that you do. And you might say, wait a minute, Pastor Phil, my dog loves me. My dog loves me. Listen, I'm a dog person. I've had dogs all my life. And dogs, you know what? They, they, are, they have affections. They have attractions. They have instincts. They have bonding. They have loyalty. Good boy, good dogs. But they don't love the same way that God loves. They're not made in the image of God. And so 1 John 4.19, we say, it says, we love God because God first loved us. And so what that means is God, he's always first. He always takes the initiative. And the only reason you can love God or love anyone else is because God first loved you. Right? And we see this, that, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. He showed his love by creating you. To say it again, you were made for God to love you. And he shows his love. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of life. So every, anything that's good in your life is there because God loves you. And I've had many pastoral conversations with people through the years who are full shame and full of guilt and are saying, I'm messing up and things aren't going good. And usually what it boils down to is that person says, I'm not loving God enough. 
But you see, that's not really the problem. The problem isn't that you're not loving God enough and that what you need to do is you need to try harder. You need to read more of the Bible and you need to pray more and you need to grit your teeth and you need to go for it. That's not the problem. A lot of times religion says that's, that's the problem, but the Bible, Jesus says, no, that's not the problem. The problem is, is that you're not walking in a full revelation of the love of God. Right? If the eyes of your heart, to use Paul's language, was opened up so you could see the height and depth and breadth and length of God's love, love back to God would flow. And so what God is always after, if he wants to change us, he wants to make us more like Jesus, what that means is he wants to let you know, he wants to give you a fresh revelation how much God loves you, that you know core of your heart, that you are radically loved by God, and there is nothing that you could do to make him love you more, and there's nothing that you could do to make him love you less. His love is something that you can count on, and so if we want to change, what we need is a greater revelation of the love of God. Because if you get that revelation, if your eyes are opened up to see how much God loves you, you can't not not love God. Uh, that wasn't grammatically correct, but you get the point. Right? Once you, the more you walk in that revelation, love, it, your life is going to change, right? You, we receive God's love, and then everything changes. We love God because he first loves us, and that's what I'm praying for during these 40 days. I'm praying that this won't just be a time where we learn some things, we come together and talk about things. I'm praying that this will be a time where the eyes of our heart are opened up, where you realize how much God loves you, and that his love that's irresistible. It's something that that changes you. And you can't really love God, love other people without a revelation of God's love. We can try, but it's not really going to last. It's not going to go deep enough. See, when you know his unconditional love, when you're walking in that, you're going to start cutting people a little bit more slack. You're not going to be as angry with other people. You're going to find it easier to forgive people. You'll be more patient. You'll be more merciful. You're going to be able to extend to others the love and grace that you're receiving from God. And the that, that people are mean. The reason that we can be mean sometimes, the reason that we become judgmental or we become sarcastic or we become spirited or controlling or angry or putting other people down is because we don't feel good about ourselves. It's because we don't feel loved. We don't feel forgiven. We're not experiencing the grace and mercy and the love that God has for us so we can't pass it on to other people. And so something that I'm praying for for this season is that this will be a time of healing. Because all of us have been hurt. What it is that makes our hearts hard and puts walls up is we've been hurt. And so you've been hurt by your, your family. You've been hurt by your peers. You've been hurt by your coworkers. You've been, you know, you've been hurt by, by people that you go to church with. Maybe you've been hurt by your pastors. Maybe you've been hurt by me. We've all been, we've all been hurt. And, and the reality is, is I know that some of the people that I'm talking to this morning, some of you, even as I look out at your faces, have experienced deep hurt, like deep wounding. There's been abuse that has gone on. There's been betrayals that have happened at some deep level. There's been some real pain. But I want to tell you what, what it is that we, we stake everything on, we say is nothing can bring healing. Nothing can change a life like the revelation of God's love. You, whatever pain you're carrying, whatever hurt you're carrying, the more you open yourself up to the love of God, the more healing you're going to experience. The more you're going to see that God's love will get in there and it'll begin to change. It says, 1 John 4 16, we know and rely on the love that God has for us. We know it 
word there is konosko. It means an intimate knowledge. It's not just we know about it, but we've experienced it. And then we come to rely on it. We come to rely saying, God, you love me. I am radically loved by you. That changes everything. It becomes poor. My God. So a lot that love is uncontrollable control it it just happens even about love and the it's like we just fall in love the heart that that's uncontrollable that's something that just that just happens and attraction and arrival are not love they can lead to love but love is a choice and i've done i've done a lot of weddings through the years and if, you know the beautiful thing about a wedding is you have these two people and oftentimes, if they're young, you just kind of, I stand up there, and we're doing the vows, and I'm just like, Lord, help these people. They don't know what they're getting to. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're so excited. But Lord, bless them. Give them grace. But they stand up there. And before God, before their family, before their friends, they say, I choose you. I choose that I'm going to spend my life loving you. And hopefully they're saying God is first, but you are second, and nothing other than God is going to come before you. And I make that choice. Deuteronomy 30.20 says you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. See, God makes it very clear. We choose him. He doesn't force it. He waits for us to make the choice. And maybe there's some people here this morning, you know, who are here in the room or who are watching online, and you're running from God. Or maybe there was a time in your life when you were like living and relying on the love of God, but you've drifted away from it, and you're kind of going in the other direction. God will allow you to go. God will allow you to walk away because he knows love can't be forced. Now, he's going to put up some speed bumps, and he's going to send people in your life, and he's going to try to speak to you through the and he's going to do everything that he can to get you back to him, but he'll let you go because we choose to love God and we choose to commit ourselves to him. And it's the same thing in our relationships. Listen, when somebody, and I've had these conversations through the years, someone's marriage is blowing up. And when they say, I just don't love them anymore, that's not really a true statement. What they're saying is I am choosing to not love them anymore. Right? We choose to love people, and we choose not to love people. Love choice, which leads me to the third thing I want to say this morning, as we kind of lay the foundation for where we're going to go. Love is an action, not just emotion. Right? Love isn't something that we feel. It's something that we do. Now, love can cause emotions. Right? It can cause some of the strongest emotions known to humanity. That's why we have the poems and the songs and all of that. Uh, but love is not simply an emotion. Because over and over, the Bible tells us that we're commanded to love God and to love each other. You can't command an emotion. Right? I can't just say to all of you sitting out here, be sad. 
and be like, all right, boom, I'm sad. It doesn't work that way. Now, you can choose to think about some things that might make you sad, and then you'll end up becoming sad because of the choice that you make. I can't say, like, you know, the Bobby McFerrin song from years ago, don't worry, be happy. It'd be great if it was that simple, right? We can't just, like, decide to be happy. And sometimes if, like, your kid, your teenager is, like, unhappy, like, be happy. And it's, like, it's not that easy, right? We can't, we can't choose to do it. It doesn't work like that. It's an, love is an action. It can produce emotion, but love is something that we do. And it says in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. In other words, don't just talk a good game. Right? Don't just say the right things or feel the right things. Have your love turn into acting. And, and, and I think that the actions that we make, the loving actions that we make when we're not feeling it, in some ways is the highest form of love. It's a more mature form of love. When you act loving towards someone who's not easy to love, or there's a circumstance that makes it hard to love, but you choose to love. Remember before Jesus went to the cross, the night when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But he said, not my will be done, but yours be done. And so we chose God's will. He chose to go to the cross. He chose to die in our place. And so we're in that place when we are acting lovingly, when we're not feeling it. It's kind of like we're becoming more like Jesus in that moment. I mean, think about some of you, you know what, you've got little kids, you've got babies, and so your baby is going to wake up four to five times during the night and is going to be screaming, and you're tired, and you just want a good night's sleep, and so, you know, the fourth time that you get up to take care of your baby at four o'clock in the morning, you're not feeling these overwhelming feelings of love for your baby, right? But you do it because you love your baby, or there's someone in your life that you love and they're sick, and they're throwing up and you're holding the bucket. Like that puke is not producing all these emotions in your life. You're trying not to throw up yourself, right? But, but we do it because we love. And so we got to realize that, that love, love is a choice that we make. And so when you're patient with someone who's irritable, you're making the choice to love. When you're kind to someone who maybe you know, as soon as you walk out of this room, they're going to start talking about you, but you choose to be kind to them anyway. When you come home at night and you're exhausted and you just want to hit the couch, but, but your, your child has a, has a science project and the last thing you want to do is make a paper mache volcano, but you help with that. Now, hopefully you don't do the paper, you know, do it yourself and be like, look, I got an A on the seventh grade science project. But you help your child do it because you love your child. James 2, 15 to 16 says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, good is it? So it says again, you can talk a big game, but if it doesn't produce actions, it doesn't really mean anything. It's not real. And let me tell you something that's really important. It's always easy to act your way into a loving feeling than it is to feel your way into a loving action. Let me say that again. It's always easier to act your way into a loving feeling than to feel your way into a loving action. And listen, let me just be real. Some of you have been in marriages maybe for a long time. And if you're honest, maybe the flame has gone out of your marriage. 
The thrill is gone. Maybe you had kids and you realized like our kids, that's what held us together. And now maybe the kids are grown and they're out of the house. And you're like, I don't know what we have in common anymore. We almost feel like, like strangers living in the same house. And so how do you rekindle the romance? How do you rekindle the, the feeling of love? I think what you do is you act your way into the feeling. You say, I don't feel like acting loving towards them. They're not making it easy. They're putting up some barriers. They're putting up some roadblocks. But I am going to act my way into feelings of love towards them. And you start doing the things that you need to do, that Jesus commands you to do. I can promise you, you're going to start to feel love. And I can promise you that because the Word of God tells us that. There was a conversation. There was something that Jesus said in the book of Revelation to the church at Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus, they were doing a lot of good things. They were doing a lot of things right. But Jesus said this. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So what he's telling the church at Ephesus is, listen, the romance is gone. Your hearts have grown cold. You're going through the motions. Here's what you need to do. Remember how you used to worship? Worship like that again. Remember how you used to serve? Serve like that again. Remember how hungry you were for the presence of God? Remember when the truth of God would just grab your heart when you read the Bible and just like you felt it burning in your heart? Do those things again, and then you're going to find that, uh, that, 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 that first love is going to be stirred back up again. And it's the same thing for our relationships. It's the same thing for renewing love in a marriage or any other relationship. You remember where we were. You remember what, what, how you used to feel and what you used to do and how you used to treat each other and you repent for what you've done to help the love grow cold. And you say, we're going to start doing this. We're going to start doing the things that we used to do. And so we're going to have a date night. We're going to make sure that we have sex on a regular basis. And you would say, Pastor Phil, what are you talking about this morning? Where are you going? But you know what? The reality of it is, is that waiting for romantic feelings to stir up before you do anything, you might be waiting a long time, right? You need to do the action. It's like, it's like when I pray, and if I don't feel like praying, I got to pray anyway. If I only pray when I feel like praying, I'm not going to pray all that much. And maybe it's when I don't feel like praying that it's the most important time for me to pray. And maybe there's some people here right now, and this is kind of a red light on the dashboard of your life. You know your marriage is heading in the wrong direction. You know that you've lost your first love. And God is saying, here's what you need to do. You need to remember what you used to do, and you need to start doing it. Even if the other person isn't yet coming along for the ride, you need to do what you know you need to do, and then trust that God is going to rekindle the romance, rekindle the love, bring, restore what the, what, the, what the locusts have eaten, right? Because the locusts can eat a lot in a marriage, but God can restore what the locusts have eaten. And so in all of this, in laying the foundation, let me just end with this. Jesus' final words to his disciples— one of, you know, he had this conversation the night before he went to the cross, and he talked about a lot of stuff. Talked about the Holy Spirit. He was trying to get him ready for what was going to happen. But he said this in John chapter 13. He said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is what Jesus said. This is the high bar. He said, Listen, the mark of someone who knows me is that they love. It's not how much of the Bible you know. It's not how successful your ministry is. It's not how often you come to church. It certainly isn't about any bumper sticker that may or may not be on your car. It's how well do you love people. 
And so the challenge, the people in your life, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, do they know that you're a follower of Jesus because you are the most loving person that they know? See, that's the challenge. That's what Jesus is saying here. They're going to know that you're connected with me because of the way that you love. And so are people able to look at your life and say, man, they believe some stuff and they go to church a lot and I don't get it, but man, nobody loves the way they love me. Nobody, not just expressing feelings of love, but nobody does acts of love for me like this person does acts of love on my behalf. And so let me be very blunt. How bad do you want this? Because what we're saying, what we're talking about here is, you know what, listen, the reality is probably every single one of us, or most of us, we're living with the wrong aim. And so this is an opportunity for us to reorient, recenter, get a different goal and say, okay, I'm going to make my every aim be to love. And so I understand that that means if I'm going to love my wife, if I'm going to love my kids, if I'm going to love my, you know, the people in my life, I got to be rooted. I got to be connected to the love of God. I need the eyes of my heart opened up so I can see how much God loves me. And then, and then I need to, whenever situation I go into, so starting when you go into the lobby and you're talking with people, is love your goal. Right? When you go to work, when you show up at work tomorrow morning or whenever you show up at work and you go in there with your coworkers and all the politics and all the difficulties, do you say, I got a job to do, but my first name is how can I love these people well? How can I love, take your family, you know, we all have beautiful, broken, dysfunctional families. How can I love the people in my family? And this is one of those messages, it'd be really easy for you to say, well, okay, that's really nice. That's sweet. The pastor's talking about love, and love is nice. Are you going to be intentional, though, to say, I'm going to change the orientation of my life, or are you just going to say, well, I think it's just going to, I'll just trust that it'll work out, and then I'll put some Hallmark cards under my pillow, and then love will just seep into my brain. You have an opportunity right now. We have an opportunity. We're orienting our church for the next couple of months to say, we're going to do a deep dive into this. And we want to get to the place where it becomes like a movement, where we're saying as, as a people, we want our aim to be love. We want to receive the love of God in a deeper way. We want to express that love to other people. And I'm going to be intentional about it. And so we're going to be talking about this. You're going to have an opportunity. Like I said, hundreds of you have signed up for life groups. And so you're going to be in a circle with some other people. And you're going to be talking through how you're, how you're doing who's difficult to love, the setbacks, the victories, the challenges, all of it, and we're going to do it together. You're going to have opportunities to every day, just you and Jesus, you can get alone with them, and you can go through the workbook, and you can pray, and you can let, let this kind of get deeper inside of you. And so I just want to encourage you, if you have not yet joined a life group, if you haven't found your way to one, it's not too late. The groups start this week. And so Pastor Charles is going to be in the lobby, and he's going to be there with his laptop, and there'll be some other laptops there. And if you say, I haven't found a group yet, you can tell him what night you're free or whatever it is. He can sign you right up for that group. We've got some of these cards that are in the, that are in the, the seat pockets there that say, sign me up. And then all you got to do is you look at all the groups, all the nights of, nights of the week that they, that they meet and uh, uh, the locations of them. And then all you got to do is just write in the number of the group, put it in the offering basket as we pass it in a few moments, and you'll be signed up for your group. Your life group leader will get a hold of you, let you know where exactly you're meeting, and, and you can get going with it. But this is an opportunity for us to say, we're going to prioritize this. 
We're going to prioritize this. We're going to realize that, you know what? The way that we've been living without this being the main priority isn't what God has for us. He has something better for us. So let's all lean in and say, God, we want to take advantage of this opportunity. And we want to learn to love you better. We want to receive your love. We want our identity rooted in who you are, what you say about us, how you love us. And then we want that love to flow in us, to flow through us. And we want love to be our number one aim. That's what life is going to be about. And I'll tell you what, you know what? If, if we as the church, if we can get this, if we can walk in it, there's going to be transformation. There's going to be, I think about all the things, all the campaigns that we've studied, 50 days of transfer. There's going to be transformation. There's going to be, you know, days in the Word because you're going to realize how the Word of God is there. There's going to be prayer. There's going to be purpose. There's going to be becoming more like Jesus. And so, so I'm, you know, I feel like right now and just encouraging all of you to take this seriously. I'm like, I'm like a duck right now. You know, like a duck, they're just kind of gliding along the water, doing their thing. But my legs are going really fast under the water, trying to say, listen, there's an opportunity here. There's an invitation that God has for us. Don't be someone who just kind of like hears it and then forget about it. We have an opportunity to make some real changes in our life. You have an opportunity to experience the love of God in a deeper way that's going to bring more healing. And so let me just say this to those of you who are maybe, you know, visiting with us, or maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, whatever your story is, but you have not yet given your life to Jesus. As we're talking about learning to live in the love of God, it all starts with Jesus. And so if you come to that place and you say, okay, I've been trying to do life on my own, but I'm ready now to make a change. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to invite him in because Jesus, see, when he comes, we, we talk about like accepting Jesus into your heart. See, what happens when we accept Jesus into our heart is he comes into our heart. He comes into the core of our being and he comes in with his love and he starts revealing his love to us. He starts healing us and then he starts empowering us so we can start to love the way that he loves. And if some of you right now say, I don't know if I've done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So, so close your eyes, and, and I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you're ready to invite Jesus into your heart, just, just repeat these words after me. The, the specific words aren't as, as important as the, the posture of your heart. You don't even have to say it out loud. But say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need your love. I've been living without your love, and I don't want to live that way anymore. And so I believe that you died on the cross in my place. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I ask you to forgive all of my sins. Make me clean. I accept your free gift of salvation. And from here on out, I'm going to follow you because I want to learn how to love you and love the people around me. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer here this morning, just raise your hand. Okay, awesome, awesome, great. Because I'm telling you, it changes everything. It, once, once Jesus comes in, everything becomes new. There's a verse in the Bible that says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things God's prepared for those who love him. And a lot of times we think that's about heaven. It is, maybe, you know, it is. I mean, God has great things for us in heaven, but you have no idea the healing and the hope and the life that Jesus has for you. With, and it starts with that simple step of saying, Jesus, come in. 
So God bless you guys. Lots of hands went up, and God bless you guys for making that choice. It's going to change your life like nothing else. I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. On the back of your connection card, check off that you decided to follow Jesus, or you can text. Go ahead, put that text follow if we can find that, okay? Uh, Okay, well, you got the connection cards. They'll find it. They'll put it up there. There's a number. I should memorize that number because I say it every week. But uh, but check off on the connection card that you decided to follow Jesus. We're gonna we're gonna have the ushers pass the the baskets. All right. So so we've got baskets that are underneath all the seats on this row that's along this wall to my right. So if you could look under your seat, if you're sitting there, we've got a job for you. It's like when you're on an airplane and you're in a safety seat, just got to reach underneath and grab a basket and then we're going to pass it this way. All right. And so the room's pretty full, so we should be able should be pretty easy to pass the basket. Let's get that going. And let's uh, you put your connection card in there as well as any offering that you might have. All right. And so we're going we're gonna to close with a time of ministry. We're going to have some people from the prayer ministry team who are going to be over here to my right. And if there's anything that you need prayer for, if there's anything going on in your life, if there's some people in your life, let me, let me give this invitation. If there's some people in your life that you know, like you're trying to figure out how to love them, but it's so hard, or maybe your marriage, you know, it's just gone cold. It's been, whatever it is, we would love to pray for you that God would just start a work that's going to bring transformation into your life. So let's all stand together and just keep passing those baskets. But Lord God, we thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you, God, that you are love. We thank you, God, that you created us to love you. And so God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give us a fresh revelation of the love that you have for us. That the eyes of our heart would be opened up to know that you created us to love us, that you know us by name. And God, we give you the pain, we give you the hurt, we give you the disappointment, and we ask that your love would just continue that process of healing. In Jesus' name. I think some of you right now, you know, you're just in this moment, just this this season of life that's a little bit hopeless. You're facing some things and you just don't know how you're going to get through. But Jesus right now just wants to show you and wants to remind you that he started, that he loves you and that he started a work in you and he's going to complete that work. He's going to carry it on to completion. He's going to finish what he started. You can rely on the love of God. So come, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our heart. We ask in Jesus' name. And God, I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus that these next 40 days, that your love would be revealed in our church, that your love would be revealed in our hearts. And God, I pray that we would love, that the North Jersey Vineyard, that we would love like we've never loved before so people can know that you are who you say you are. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Congratulations to everyone who got baptized. Go sign up for a group if you haven't. Come get prayer. We got people up here who would love, they would just love to have an opportunity to pray for you. God bless you. Have a great day.